My name is Peter. And my name is Carl. And you're listening to Do You Even Lift, Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We deeply appreciate it. We have a guest joining us today. Say hi to the people, Katana. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, well, we're going to learn more about them uh, in a little bit. We're masking her voice to keep her identity a secret, just to let y'all know. Today, we're going to talk about common misconceptions about strippers. But first, how are you, Carl? <laughs> I'm okay, Peter. Um, Dope. Yeah, I am in need of taking my. Uh, I'm in need of taking care of myself a little better. Um, I think. It's, it's just easy not to do anything after work. And I think I need to just commit more energy into doing something after work that will help sustain me for the rest of the semester. Um, I do have Friday off, which is going to be nice. And oh, so nice. hopefully I can plan something around that. And I miss my counselor. I haven't seen her in a while. So I need to, I will commit to making that appointment, Peter, by the next time we record. Awesome. How are you? I'll hold you to it. Um, I had a weird dream that's <laughs> kind of affected me all today. Okay. Um, okay? Yeah, it was just like, Long story short, I was working with some skaters to film a video. I like went into this cult of incels. Shut up. Really? I'm, I'm serious. They all had like fedoras. <laughs> they all looked like bikers. Okay. That is and weird. I was and I was just trying to get out of the situation without them calling the cops and without me being murdered. So I woke up and I was like, damn. So I'm kind of in a weird mood right now, going to be yeah. real. No doubt. That's all right. We can try to edit out the weird mood as much as we can. But <laughs> today, we invited Katana here today. Uh, well, actually, I don't know. I think it might have been the other way around. Katana was like, hey, can we talk about strippers and sex work on the podcast as it relates to men? I'm like, yeah, we can. Hell yeah. So we do have Katana here today to help us out with this conversation. Can you start, please, by talking a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I guess since this episode is about strippers, then I would say that I consider myself as a feminist stripper, which I know that some find a little bit contradictory. The first time that I actually knew that that was a contradictory term was when I brought a short essay that I had written about stripping to my nonfiction class. And one of my teacher's first responses was, oh, like, I was reading through this and you have a lot of feminist ideologies, which is contradictory with you being a stripper because you're just contributing to the male gaze and I just thought that that was really interesting. Um, I always viewed it as taking the like stereotype and kind of like the male gaze that they have created and then taking it back for ourselves and making a financial profit off of that. And really just having control of your body and, you know, like wear whatever the f*** you want. Just like, I don't know, I mean, I go to a show and I like to dress up a little sexy. And I know a lot of other girls do too, like when we go to Red Rocks. And I've always thought that that's really empowering. I don't think that that makes you not a feminist. I don't think that being a stripper makes you not a feminist either. So, yeah, I am also a college student. I play music and I like to travel. That's another reason that I got into stripping is because you get to set your own schedule. You get to go into work whenever you want and you never have to like ask for time off and you make a lot more money than you do like doing other things. I've done everything from like decorating cakes to delivering pizza to like selling kitchen knives in a pyramid scheme. And this is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been pretty crazy. But yeah, this has honestly been the best gig that I've had by far and it's been awesome. So yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by male gaze? The male gaze. Okay, so I guess that it's presenting yourself in such a way that you are objectified for men to look at your bodies. Okay. So, of course, when you are going to work or when I go to work, you have to wear as little clothing as possible. Not as little clothing as possible, but definitely not something that you'd be wearing like out on the streets or going to school. And it is for the purpose of attracting customers to want to buy dances from you or want to put money on the stage. It is contributing to that. But I think that another thing that people don't really know about strippers or don't think about too much is that a lot of what I do is actually talking. It's not so much like attracting people just with the way I look. Like a lot of it is talking and I sell dances by talking to people. I rarely have people come up to the stage and be like, hey, like, I want to buy a dance. It's, you have to sit with them for at least like 10, 15, like sometimes 30 minutes to like sell your personality. <laughs> so, huh. yeah. Okay. I think for me, like the male gaze comes up the most when, or it makes sense the most when I talk about mainstream lesbian porn, mm. because mainstream lesbian porn doesn't necessarily accurately depict lesbian sex, but it is designed to like stimulate and get cis hetero men off. Right. Mm -hmm. And so those are two very different depictions of that particular process. And that second depiction is 
what it would be categorized as the male gaze, right? So male gaze to me, it's not tricky necessarily because it's a very defined concept, but some hetero men be like, well, I'm a hetero man. So why can't I look at women? Cause I think they're hot or whatever. Sure. But when you collectively put all that together, it contributes to like a society that objectifies women to a degree that like women feel incredibly uncomfortable, like all the time. And that's what I think what we mean by male gaze. Yeah, that's true. I guess like I, something that I've noticed is that I still feel super, super uncomfortable if somebody's looking at me or, you know, making advances on me or hitting on me inappropriately, even though that's what I do and I present myself in that way when I'm at work. Mm-hmm. So the male gaze is still a problem, you know, for me because it shouldn't be there when it's not the right situation. And I guess the only like right situation for it for me is at work. Right. I think you said something really interesting that I haven't thought about before or kind of put a flip on a perspective is that you were talking about for your job, you have to dress in a certain way, just kind of like a uniform for any other form of job and how you phrased it. And correct me if I'm wrong, um, was like you're putting on this uniform so that men pay you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to see that you didn't put any of the blame of the male gaze on the people who dress the way that a stripper may or may not dress. You put it on that men have the responsibility and have the kind of they're the ones that are perpetrating this male gaze. And it's not the woman's or other gender's fault for that. Yeah, totally. It definitely is the men that have created the male gaze. And so... I'm just taking it back and then capitalizing off of it. That's right. (laughs) It's never anyone's fault for dressing the way that they do. Yeah, girl, look hot. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by empowering? Because I think some of the things that I've heard around empowerment, especially for women in sex work, men tend to use that as an excuse to say, I should consume this porn or consume uh, or go to strip clubs because I'm like, because these women are making a choice to, to be here and do that. So like, it's their problem, right? Like, so can you talk a little bit more about the source of your empowerment and how, and how that like sort of impacts the way you do your work? Yeah. So I guess it's the fact that I can go there, feel confident, you know, um, at the old club that I worked at, there was a mirror right in front of the door of the locker room. And I remember walking out of it and then I look at myself in the mirror and I just like smile and I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm going to go make this money. I look so good. Walk out and then just, you know, just feel good about the way that I look and kind of put on this other persona that I don't usually have in my every day-to-day life. And then it's just empowering making that money, you know, that quickly. That's awesome for me because that's a sense of freedom that I didn't have before. And that's where a lot of that comes from. And then also, I think that a lot of it comes from the other girls that work there as well, because everybody is so supportive and kind. And I was really nervous that everybody was just going to be out to get you when I first got there. But no, they took me in on my first day and did my hair. were very sweet and kind to me. And we all just empower each other. Like, it's awesome. awesome. <laughs> so You said you mentioned that you feel freedom in uh, when you work. What are you free from? Um, Okay, so when I said freedom, I think I mean freedom because of the financial stability it gives me. So I guess that I have the freedom to do things that I otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Like normally I'd have to be working like 30 hours a week while going to school, like taking 18 credits, which is just not fun. And so because of only having to go to work, you know, twice a week to support myself, I'm able to focus on school and I have the freedom to travel when I want and I have the freedom to focus on my other pursuits like music and writing so yeah I think it sounds like a pretty sweet gig quite honestly (laughs) because what it sounds like is that there is such a level of independence but also community within this work that I have never felt when I work at like fast food places because it sounds like you still have the independence to feel confident in what you are doing and feel it because I equate like dressing a certain way like I'm really into fashion so I dress a certain way to give me confidence and it sounds like you still achieve that through your work and so you achieve this independence Uh, correct me if I'm wrong of course Um, you achieve this independence like based on how you want to dress and like you find confidence in the way you dress in these certain of scenarios and but you also develop this community and it sounds like the male gaze 
doesn't have much to do with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally doesn't. I mean, like, I am dressing to attract them, but I like going online and picking out new outfits for work. And me and my friend Ruby, like, I'll go to her house before work and we'll pick out our outfits together or we'll, like, go shopping together sometimes. And it's fun. Like, I don't know. I... <laughs> It's just fun. So, yeah. So one of the things that Katana wanted to do here is to bust some stripper myths. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's do that. So what are some myths that are how, wait, do you want, I want to do the myths because yeah, like we're the I'll, dudes. I'll do the myths. Okay. So we'll Cause do I don't myths. know anything about this. <laughs> okay. And you know, I, I've done some work around understanding how sex work, the industry itself can be beneficial. It's just the way that it's set up in the U S is like pretty up. So I do have some myths, I think, buried within me that I still like need to work on so we can maybe bounce off of that. Definitely. But then uh, we'll have Katana come around and school us on like why the why we're wrong. Dope. Awesome. Go Sounds like it. a plan. So one of the stripper myths is strippers have no respect for themselves or others. Yeah. So I think that we kind of touched on that earlier is that you can be a feminist and you can still be a stripper at the same time. You're respecting your body by taking care of it, you know, because you have to look good if you're going to go to work. But that doesn't mean that you have to practice unhealthy eating or overexercise. You're just making sure that you're healthy. You have the respect for yourself to know that you have worth other than just your body. Because if somebody's going to judge you for doing sex work and selling your body, essentially, then that's on them. Like, you still have it in you to know, like, no, I'm doing this because... I'm making a lot of money off of it. I don't feel bad about doing it because this is my choice. So yeah, I do have respect for myself and I know that all the other girls do as well. So the next myth for me, like I recently, so, <laughs> I recently watched Rick and Morty. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a very common theme. I think I can't believe I'm spacing on the daughter's name right now, but Jerry, the dad like picks up the infant version of the daughter and says, Summer. you're going to be a stiff. What? Summer. Summer, you're going to be a stripper one day or whatever, right? Like, yeah. I think there's an equating a certain type of body type, hair type, and intelligence level that we associate with you're going to be a stripper or someone with, there's a myth, I think, that strippers are dumb or they have daddy issues. Yeah, that's definitely a myth that goes on. And a lot of people that I've talked to, not everybody has said that if you're going to like date a stripper, then you should be aware of her baggage because nobody goes into stripping if they didn't have some sort of personal trauma affect them beforehand. And I can say that that's not the case for me. It might be the case for some of the other girls, but a lot of my friends that I work with don't have that problem either. Like, I definitely don't have daddy issues. My parents <laughs> have been really awesome. They've been each other's, like, first marriage and have been supportive and everything. Yeah. What was, what was the other part of it? Oh, that strippers might be dumb. Yeah, well, I mean... That's definitely not the case either because a lot of the girls that I've worked with are like starting their own businesses or are going to school to be like an esthetician and like are handing out their beauty cards at work too, like trying to spark their other business while going to work too. And yeah, a lot of my other friends go to college, you know, one's going to school for accounting, another one's going to school for psychology. And they're all just really like not dumb people <laughs> not at all they're not like the media portrays them at all you know people are always saying like oh i'm just gonna drop out of school and become a stripper and it's just like it's not something that's a last resort either so i think when i had that myth challenged because me growing up i always had the myth that strippers are stupid and like like i had a lot of these myths beforehand and i think one of the biggest challenges to me in the past was when uh i forget her name but she was a porn star and she was making money off of her porn videos to pay for her tuition and she was on all these talk shows and they were like but like how could you do this to yourself kind of thing like you're ruining your reputation and other things like well you're smart i always heard you're a smart woman why would you do something like this yeah, I mean, there's definitely girls that I work with that are there to support their families, which is also like another decision that you have to make in life. It's not any less than going to college. And there's other people that don't really have so much going on outside of work, just like some other people don't have much going on outside of their nine to five job. But mm. there are a lot of girls that I work with that have something else going on. And it's because we are smart that we're deciding to strip because we know it makes a lot of money. We know that it gives us the freedom to do other things. But that's something that I've heard a lot, too, 
always, sometimes when I tell people that I'm a stripper or even when I'm talking to clients, they're like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. Like, why are you doing this? Like, you're too good for this. And that's really annoying to hear. I hate when I hear that. I'm like, yeah, like, why? Why? Because I'm smart. Why does that mean that I should just, you know, let my grades suffer and stress myself out and choose to do something else when, like, honestly, this isn't that bad of a job. I don't hate doing it. So it's just the stigma that has to be kind of taken down. I think. Yeah, the the phrase that you're too good for this is an obvious indication of what our society in particular thinks about strippers and and sex work of like it's a lower tier like job. Yeah. Um which I mean you said it perfectly we need to bust that particular stigma. I think another myth is that women in particular who are working at strip clubs often I think get equated with like the women who are working at massage parlors and like provide happy endings if you will. So is the myth of like strippers are also being trafficked for sex a thing i have never met anybody that's been trafficked for sex and i mean like i know all the girls that i work with i feel like they would have to be doing it like very very they'd have to be really good actors but i i don't know they have posters up just because you have to be aware of that i guess just like you can get trafficked at a football game yeah okay yeah that's that's definitely not something that happens and there's no happy endings like you can get fired for leaving the club with somebody and if somebody like even asks you to do something then you go and tell the bouncer like if they even like suggest like oh i'll pay you this much money to do this then you call the bouncer and they get kicked out immediately okay yeah so like there is no correlation between stripping and sex trafficking is what you're saying uh, in my opinion or in my experience, no. I actually had more experience with trafficking when I worked as a waitress at a Japanese restaurant mm. than this. Another myth that it kind of relates to the like strippers have no self-respect or like they're stupid or something. Um, There's another myth where it's like a last resort and that you would never choose to be a stripper, but you would have to become a stripper. Yeah, so that's definitely not true for me or I think a lot of the girls that are going to school or just wanting to strip to have more free time and money. There was a girl that I met over last weekend and she was saying that she actually became a stripper because her boyfriend, like, at the time wasn't giving her very much physical affection which is like a very very out there case but they broke up and then she started stripping because she just wanted to like i don't know talk to more people and get to know more people and she actually said that she likes what she does it's a choice for a lot of people definitely i mean for me it's a choice i started stripping because i had gotten fired from my waitressing job like right before that and i was just about to start school and i was like oh i don't know what i should do and i'd honestly been thinking about it for a while like i don't know when i started thinking about it there's this photo of me when i went to puerto rico in 2016 and there was this big stick that my best friend and i had found and we were taking photos with it we just like <laughs> stuck it in the beach like a stripper pole so maybe that's when it started i don't know but yeah a funny story about that is actually i went to my first strip club when i was there i was 20 at the time and i ended up crying my eyes out while i was there because i hated it like i just didn't like the way that the men were looking at the girls mm. And then somehow it just completely got flipped around. And then when I was in that situation, it was completely different. I think I might have also just been really drunk. And that's why I was crying so much. <laughs> to move a little bit away from the myths, and maybe as they come up, we'll keep busting them. I want to start sort of with your experience. And then I want to start talking about the industry a little bit. And then I want to talk a lot broader about like men who are listening to this podcast, who are socially aware, what is our relationship to strip clubs? So that's kind of how I want to lay out the next 10, 15 minutes. So what are some of your, like, what are some of your personal do's and don'ts? Like, can you talk a little bit about your experiences as a stripper and as it relates to some of the customers that you work with? Yeah, so, well, you're definitely just not supposed to touch anybody that's on the stage. Uh, you're only supposed to give tips, like, at the hip or just put it on the stage. And it's really annoying when guys think that just because they have a lot of ones that they can, you know, like, touch you while you're on stage and stuff. Also, lap dances... It's completely up to the dancer, like, what she will and will not allow. I mean, we have our own rules at the club, but the dancer can even decide, like, I don't want to be touched at all. And it's annoying when guys are just being too handsy and they're like, oh, well, I've paid a lot of money for this, blah, blah, blah. You definitely should not start, like, touching anybody until you ask them first. Okay, so there's some level of men being entitled to touching you, and that's con that's connected to the fact that they feel like 
because they're paying or giving money. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's something that I've realized is that just because somebody is paying for you, they're paying for a service and they don't own you in any way. And a lot of times men will Mm -hmm. think that, okay, well, I own this girl for for like the next song or whatever because I paid for this lap dance. And it's like, no, you don't own me and my body just like you don't own somebody that's giving you a haircut they're providing a service right just like i'm providing a service right not a haircut (laughs) right just because you buy a burger at wendy's doesn't mean you own the store yeah yeah okay perfect thank you other sort of etiquette things don't ask us to come home with you don't Ask us to, like, be your girlfriend and say you want to just take us out on a date, blah, 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 blah. That's no. That's never going to happen. I mean, I've done that once before, but this guy, like, offered me $5,000 just to, like, take me out to dinner and to go clubbing with him. So I was like, okay, that's okay. I can do that. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, but he also wasn't under the impression that we were going to have a relationship other than, you know, like, the quote-unquote girlfriend experience. Okay being just like fake date for a day but a lot of guys will come in especially younger guys and they're like oh like i just want you to like go out with me and that's annoying it's never gonna happen so do you get the sense that it's more about like showing you off to other people or is it like their own personal are they trying to fill something i don't know what do you do some amateur psychoanalysis of what that particular question is rooted in okay so i think that they definitely are trying to show us off because that one guy that i went out with when i sat down with him he was just like oh look at all these people looking at us they must think that i'm such a bad right now with this young girl sitting next to me and i was just like no i mean they probably just think i'm an escort but he made a big deal out of it. <laughs> i was like i don't know how he couldn't realize that but anyways he just made a big deal out of the fact that he was being seen with the younger girl he thought it was so cool and then he made a point to tell me like you know i could definitely go into a bar and get a date which is probably true he was a wealthy not a bad looking guy but he was like but just not one as young as you and so that was definitely a thing as well um the aspect of being eye candy was something that was there and i think maybe he even knew that people knew that he was paying for me i started writing like a short little manuscript about my experiences being a stripper and one of the parts includes this study that was done at cornell university and it says that men are more likely to cheat on their partner if they're in heterosexual relationships if their female partner makes more money than them because of what it does to their masculinity they feel their masculinity dip when they are not the primary breadwinner or if they don't like make as much money as their female counterpart and so i think that them being able to show off that like yes i have all of this money yes i have all this money that i'm spending on young beautiful girls boost their masculinity a lot fascinating okay I mean, that aligns with a lot of stuff that you and I talk about, Peter, in terms of like the way men feel about themselves is pretty connected to their ability to it's not even like self-validation. It's just their ability to either get laid or show off to people that they can or that they can like hang out with beautiful women. Right. Like I think the traditional sense of masculinity is deeply tied to heterosexuality and the ability to get laid. Yeah. And I think it's the prime validator of masculinity is other men improve your masculinity to other men men. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering on this escort date, how many people you would perceive to be women that you met with this guy or how many people you perceive to be men who met with this guy? Oh, you mean that interacted with him during? Yeah. Did he like I... introduce you to people at all? No, he didn't introduce me to anyone, um, mm-hmm. but he just like was talking about people looking at us. And then when we went out to dinner, he like made it a point to sit by the window where a lot of people were walking back and forth which i don't know if that was like super interesting intentional but it seemed like he was like no i really i want this seat like i want to wait until this table that okay. table is really intentional yeah <laughs> kind of going back to do's and don'ts or your experience have you ever had like safety concerns or like what is your sense of safety as it relates to not just being a stripper in a club because i imagine that there's a lot of rules and regulations that maintain your safety in a club but like if you tell people that you are a stripper like are there safety concerns that come up for you yeah i mean i used to be friends with a group of guys that i'm not really friends with anymore because they just were not the type of people that you want to be friends with especially as a girl and also as a guy if you care about what <laughs> 
Goblin. <laughs> there you go. Um, but so yeah, we were going to a show at Red Rocks together, and like I had just told them that I was a stripper, and they were being really mean about it. At first, I thought they were joking, but then I could tell that they weren't joking about it with me, and I was giving them some money to <laughs> pay for my drugs, and they're like, "Oh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna touch your stripper money." Huh, what the f- f- like, oh my god, guys, like what? The f- can we just have a good time? I've been friends with them for at least like three or four years, so it was kind of yeah. But then. We got in to Red Rocks and Molly's kicking in and everything and I'm like pretty messed up at this point and they were just being super handsy with me. They just would not stop touching me and it mm. was really annoying and I I was up and I was like trying to get them off me and I was like, guys, I just want to dance. I like don't have a lot of motor control right now. Can you just let me be? And they're like, oh no, like I've always wanted to dance with a stripper, blah, blah, blah. I'm getting this for free and all the and I was like, seriously, guys, you're going to give me all that and tell me what I'm doing is awful. And then you're going to turn around and do this to me. What I mean, bear with me, but what like an, an incredible example of how like men are able to do these mental gymnastics around like access to women's bodies. Right. Like I'm going to demonize you, demonize the out of you for your job for, quote unquote, choosing sex work quote, to choose to be a stripper, but then also like feel entitled to your body because you're a stripper like that is an incredible disconnect that i i cannot comprehend like there's logic quote unquote logic to that for men it's just like borderline legitimate insanity i I, that's that is what masculinity does like the hollowness of masculinity creates just idiotic men who are like oh my god that pissed me off but thank you for sharing sounds like (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank you for sharing too um it sounds like y'all are rolling pretty hard Mm -hmm. so Molly is societally seen as like a very touchy-feely drug. As like a sex drug? Yeah. So it's never like it's never made me feel like more sexual, but it does make me feel like more cuddly. Yeah. And I like want to cuddle with my girlfriends though, like not my <laughs> random like I mean they weren't my random dude friends. They were my dude friends I'd known for a while, but I like did not feel like that at all. And they weren't being cuddly or touchy-feely. They were being like like sexual and yeah Mm -hmm. and i was just like yo like i just so i remember i even went into the area where i wasn't supposed to go because i didn't have the right ticket for it but i was just so tired of it i ran in there and i was like oh my god please nobody kick me out i just want to stay here away from these guys that unfortunately i came here with but yeah i got kicked out so yeah it's it's a touchy-feely drug but it was not it wasn't good in that instance yeah yeah i'm not trying to say like it was warranted oh yeah no for sure (laughs) but i can see how they could those mental gymnastics where it's like whoa we were all on e Mm -hmm. like come on and Mm -hmm. so i think that would be a just because i don't know if we've talked about it specifically but i've definitely heard like drug related cop-outs and excuses for doing really shitty things like roid rage like tim lambisi's putting a hit on his wife and blaming it on roid rage what you're saying like this ecstasy thing i think a very fine element with and I, I'm I'm gonna say this for everything is with any controlled substance um, that you are taking into your body, sex is okay only when consent is a thing. And I think they are not like they weren't asking for your consent, obviously. And when it comes to like a lot of people, whenever I do facilitations, they're like, "What if both parties are drunk?" Or like, "What if I'm high?" Like, blah blah blah. And I think the foundation that's missing here is consent. And I think when you're talking about your job as a dancer, I think consent is a huge thing there. Like you're not allowed to touch unless the dancer gives you consent to touch. And I think with this job and with the stigmas behind it, it sounds like once you're a stripper, you give up your consent to society. And society says, oh, you're a stripper, so you don't have to ask for consent anymore. But then the actual industry is actually like incredibly regulatory around consent. Like one of the most consensual places is like a well-run strip club in like, or I mean, I don't know. I've never been in one, but like from what I've read and heard... Like, that's one of the most safest places for women to, like, be women. Yeah, that's really true. And, like, it's cool because, you know, you can go in there wearing just, like, a thong and a bra and not have people, you know, touching you if they're not supposed to and not have people, you know, doing the things that they would be doing if you, say, went to a club or even just wearing, like, a cocktail dress. You're not going to be, you know, like, sexually harassed or assaulted as much in a strip club. The consent has to be there, which is cool because you know you can wear that outfit where in other places you couldn't. I've had more experiences with like sexual harassment, going out clubbing, going to shows than I have 
walking down the yeah. street in a hoodie. Walking down the street in a hoodie. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting yelled at from yeah. a car, right? So, yeah, that so, was me like in the sixth grade. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> okay. So my understanding, to, so my personal struggles around the idea of strip clubs, regardless of the, the individualized empowerment that some women feel, which I think is really important in social justice movements. But when I pan out a little bit and think about the industry itself, like most, if, or most strip clubs, in my understanding, are owned by men. And so women who feel empowered are creating a lot of profit for men who own the the strip clubs and so katana can you talk me through a little bit more about like how your relationship to your personal empowerment interacts with the relationship of like the industry as a money-making enterprise i've never had like a direct relationship with the people that actually own the club the like closest i've got to them is looking at the photo of these two white guys in suits in our (laughs) locker room which is just so strange kind of just like a little reminder like this is who we are. Um, but like our GM used to be a girl that used to be a stripper. And then another one of our managers also used to be a stripper. Um, but it's cool having females there. But at the same time, being a part of the industry, like with the way you look, that can be a little bit harmful because they can tell you to look a certain way to cater to the average middle-class white male. Okay. So for example, my hair was blue. And they let it fly for a little bit. And then they're like, no, your hair can't be blue. Like, you have to dye your hair black again. And then they did that to all the girls that had colored hair. Because middle-aged white men aren't down for us millennials? Like, what? what (laughs) Because that's, like, not not the type of girl that they're going to the club to look at. They're not so much looking for, like, an alternative-looking girl. They're looking for a more, you know... I mean, I do have quite a bit of tattoos, but luckily they've let that slide. But, like, hair, no, that's not okay. Okay. Um, Is that specific to that particular club? Like, do you work in multiple clubs? So, I did. So, that was specific to that club, but then they're, like, quote, sister club. I auditioned there. And when I auditioned there, they were like, your boobs are too small. You can't work here. Like, maybe come back looking like you're going to a wedding was exactly what they told me. I'm not really sure what exactly that meant because I've had other girls say, like, oh, they just give you rejection the first time so that you they know that you can handle that. But I hadn't gone back right. there. Um, okay. But I've had friends that have auditioned at my club. And one of them was told that she couldn't work there because, like, she needed to lose a bit of weight. And then another one, they told her that, like, she needed to put more makeup on. And she honestly looks really good without makeup. So I was a little bit confused about that. She came back, like, with some more makeup on. But then they were just like, oh, like, you need to wear fake eyelashes. And I think that it was just way too busy. And my manager was not in a position to, like, be hiring at the moment. But they, like, went and told her that. And it honestly, like, affected her in a really negative way, which when that happened, I did kind of start questioning, like, okay, is this, you know, as good as I think it is? Because there are some negative aspects to it like that, you know, like making a girl feel really crappy about herself and making her feel like she's not beautiful because she doesn't fit these standards when, like, hell yeah, she's super, super beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I guess just conforming to those standards of how you have to look, how much you have to weigh, sometimes that can be a problem, but... For sure. Sounds like Fight Club. <laughs> like, honestly, I, like, have y'all seen the movie Fight Club? Yes, my music video is based off of Fight Club, actually. Okay, so. dope. I'm so, oh, thank God. I have met so many people that haven't seen that movie. And when I want to talk about toxic masculinity, they have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but that seems like, you remember that scene in Fight Club where Tyler Durden is creating the Chaos Project and, like, all the guys are lining up outside of his house and he's just like, you're you're too fat, yeah. you're too, too blonde, too this, that, and the other. But they keep staying there, and to make them like hardened and worthwhile yeah. as a worthwhile workforce, that sounds like Fight Club. I like, never even made that connection. I think that that might be, in a way, what they're trying to do. Because I did hear from other girls at that club, like you have to audition at least once or twice before they let you in because they need to know that you can handle rejection or they want to see that you really want this. So I guess there is kind of like a little bit of a cult <laughs> aspect to it when you think about it. But I try hard to dissociate sex work in person stuff from porn, which is like a digital medium for me. Mm-hmm. Like because those two areas are kind of catered to the same group of men, right? It makes sense to me. Well, it makes unfortunate sense to me that strip clubs are really strict with 
who they accept because they want to make money. And so they have to accept certain type of woman that's going to make them money, which requires some level of enforcement of what type of beauty standard that is already here. So I imagine like black women, Latino women and Asian American. Well, I don't Asian Americans occupy a pretty unique space, but I imagine that they have a harder time getting jobs and maybe specifically in Fort Collins at these places, right? So that level of employment isn't even open to a lot of those women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that we have many black people working at our club. And I'm not sure if that's because there's not many auditioning at our club or like in Denver. Yeah, we have at least like four maybe, but it's mostly white people. We have uh, quite a few Latinas working at our club as well, but they definitely are going for a certain look. And I think that it's like mostly focused on body type and how your face looks and, you know, how your hair looks. Do those conform to what white men think a Latina body looks like? Or are the Latina bodies trying to look more like white bodies? Um, I mean, okay, well, at one point, like, we had a lot of, like, thicker girls okay. working there. But now it seems like the only girls that they want to accept are just getting, like, thinner and thinner. Which I'm not mm-hmm. sure why that's happening. Like, we might have just, like, met our cap for a certain body type and they're like all right now we gotta boost the other type i honestly don't know because i don't talk to my managers about this stuff i don't think that they would talk to me about it if i asked them right interesting yeah yeah so the balance between the industry and the way it operates like we talked through how like kind of gross some of those practices are with the empowerment that you Katana feel like on a daily basis and the fact that it really helps out your college career. Like there's a, a really great argument to be made here that you're able to pursue your own passions like singing and getting great grades and a degree because you're able to strip um, and make money. And so that's where I want us as a group of three here to talk about for socially conscious men is there a way that we can support sex workers? I think Katana has pretty explicitly said, like, I love it when people give me money, right? Like, yes. that's a, <laughs> is a direct way to support my life. And I feel great about it versus do we as men then perpetuate male gaze and problematic masculine behavior and businesses that on the outside looking in exploit a certain body type for their own profits? So, Peter... Would you go to a strip club? Why or why not? We were talking about this beforehand and I was like, since Carl and you did all the planning, I was like, I thought it would be really interesting for me for like a cheat day or something for me to go to a strip club and document my experience. Because previously to this episode, I would have not stepped into a strip club just because I mean, there are some stigmas with it as like I'm in a relationship, so I don't know if I'd feel comfortable being in a strip club. And like that idea of the male gaze and me perpetuating an industry that I thought was intrinsically misogynistic. So... Yes or no? Yeah, why not? I don't know. I, I feel like I feel tough, like right. I feel like a strip club. If I'm going there for the right reasons, I guess. I mean, intent in versus impact is always kind of like a common thing that I struggle with all the time. But I feel like if I'm going there just to have a good time and to like support other women, then like I don't see the problem with that because I'm not going to be going there to like find a partner or like yeah. to get laid or some. I'm going to go there probably extremely inebriated and just like giving money out to people who I think might need it and deserve it. Why do you have to be drunk? Because I feel like it would be more fun. Interesting. Okay. That's I mean, a that's different. That's a different podcast, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's me for everything. Same here, Okay. I don't think I'm going to go. Like, for the same reasons why I don't go to Chick fil A or shop at Hobby Lobby, I know those corporations, those industries support anti gay everything. So I won't put my money there i feel like if there's a way for i'm not sure how strip clubs profit but do you have to give like a portion of your profits to the club so the way that it works is depending on what time you get there you pay a house fee okay so the earlier you get there the lower it is the later you get there the higher it is Mm -hmm. and then they make five dollars off of each dance that you give and it's 40 per song so they make five out of the 40 and then the house fee on top of that. But in the end, we are still making much more money than we are giving to the club. And then 
your fee that you pay when you go into the club is $10. To the club. To the club. And then obviously alcohol sales and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. so like for me, if there was a way to sort of directly support the women there without giving money to the industry, I think I'd be down. Or if it's like a woman owned place, Mm -hmm. like I think that's also different. Like anything I do with my money, I would want to put it, I would want to support businesses that are doing it the right way or whatever, or that align with my values. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Do you see a lot of couples come in or is it mostly just like groups of men? I do see quite a few couples come in. Yeah, actually, I worked on Valentine's Day and there was a lot of couples that came in. Yeah, they were like celebrating some of their anniversaries at the strip club, which I found interesting. I've given like a couple of couple dances before. And I think that the women in their relationships are sometimes bi, but other times it's just something that they're doing to, you know, go and do something new or try something fun. And it seems like their partners didn't drag them there. It seems that they they actually want to be there. I mean, for the most part, sometimes it seems like, oh, I totally don't want to be there. But it's always really nice to have a couple come in and then the girl is just like really nice and awesome. And I think that if you're going to go into a strip club as a socially conscious man, then you would probably act the way, or I've noticed that socially conscious men act the way that girls do when they come into strip clubs. Like, I love female customers. They're awesome. But then, like, sometimes I have male customers that are like that too. Gotcha. Because they just have that, you know, same understanding. Do you see a lot of, like, heterosexual, what you would deem as heterosexual relationships where it is a man and a woman? Or do you see, like, a lot of... um Because I'm just like trying to conceptualize me going into a strip club and what that would look like. And so my partner is non-binary and we're kind of in a queer relationship, but we both identify as bi. So I wonder if, like you said, some of the times the women are bi, but what would you say is the most frequent couple scenario? Mm, I'm not sure. I don't know. I honestly think that it is split between like heterosexual men and then bi woman and then straight men and straight woman. Okay. And then there's also, like, some lesbian couples that come in sometimes. Okay. There's never gay couples that come in, though, which Mm. wouldn't make sense, I guess. (laughs) So, I guess one of my last questions is, how much money should I bring if I want to go to the strip club and support women? So, sometimes I go to the strip club for fun, and (laughs) I bring at least, like, $60 in ones with me, and then a dance is, like, 40 and I, like, don't ever buy more than one because it's expensive. so. (laughs) So, let's say I don't want to dance. Because uh, <laughs> I want to go to the strip club on a budget kind of thing. Yeah, strip club on a budget. Um, well, okay, so when you're, like, sitting at the stage, it's for three songs that, like, one girl is up, and you should give at least, you know, like, four or five dollars, like, every time you're sitting at the stage. Okay. And then drinks. Drinks are kind of expensive, like, ten dollars. I guess that's kind of normal. Yeah. Or anywhere. Beers are probably less expensive, though. I would say if you want to go to the strip club on a budget... Maybe it's not possible to go to the strip club on a budget. <laughs> I think we unveiled some yeah. inaccessibility here. So yeah. class, class-based class inaccessibility. It's just interesting. Yeah, I mean, no, there are people that come into the club with no money, but then, like, people are just like, oh, my gosh, why are you sitting at my stage? Like, you could go into the club and maybe not, like, really go up to the stage that often and just watch from, like, one of the tables mm-hmm. that's around the stage and kind of just, like, sit there with your drink and be like, okay, cool, and people will still come talk to you and you can just be like, hey, like, I'm just coming here to check it out. Like, I'm not planning on buying any dances as long as you tell them that straight up and then you don't, like, waste any other time mm-hmm. when to try to make money. Then they're like, okay, cool. Like, I always like when people tell me that right away. I'm like, cool, awesome. Sometimes I'm even like, okay, you seem cool. I'll, like, talk to you for a little bit and then I'm going to leave because there's no one else here right now. So Right, okay. So be upfront, right, with your intentions. I do think mm-hmm. intentions is an important aspect of socially conscious men, at least, attending a strip club and then being clear about that. Because if you're intending to go there and leer at women, maybe or get laid, you, I feel like, or get laid, you're probably not listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And if you know someone who's doing that, go check them. Um, yeah, make them listen to this podcast. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Don't make anyone do anything we're all listen, listen. <laughs> listen to our podcast um, but you know if you're going there I don't see I even struggle with intent right like what it, what would be my intent I guess supporting sex workers in a, financially is a, is a great intent but I don't know if I have the extra cash laying around so yeah yeah, I feel like even going with the intent just to admire beautiful looking woman is an okay thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's okay. Yeah. 
Like, we like being told that we're beautiful. That's totally fine. <laughs> well, I think strip clubs offers a unique area where that consent is not, in, well, implied maybe of like, we're here to work because we kind of want to or want to slash need to be looked at to be supported financially. Um, so I do think it's a it's a really unique area to explore in terms of like we're vehemently against the objectification of women. And then we're like, go look at women, which so I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting intersection for me. Well, I mean, it's it's one of the only places that has an ideal, I would say, community around consent, because when you do not have consent, there are serious, very instant consequences, wherein like. I'm sure if you were at the strip club and somebody said, oh, you look beautiful, you'd be like, oh, awesome. But if you were like walking on the street and somebody like cat called you, it's different, right? Yes, definitely very different. In our society, there aren't instant consequences. Right. I would say to that kind of thing. Cool. The industry itself, like I think what men can do is to continue to challenge the myths that Katana was kind enough to go through with us so that we didn't have to actually do the thinking for ourselves. So thank you for that. So challenging other men around that, challenging some of those like mentalities and attitudes that men, mostly heterosis men have around like the stigmatization of what it means to be a stripper, right? Like that they're dumb, that Mm -hmm. they sell their body for sex, that we're, that we're entitled to their bodies. Like you shouldn't ever feel entitled to anybody's body ever, but for some reason, Well, we know the reason men feel more entitled to stripper bodies for us to challenge men and our own attitudes around that. And then I don't think taking down the sex work industry is a solution. I do think it's important to look at this idea of choice. Like sometimes a lot of women feel like they'd have no other choice, even though it can be a choice and it is a choice for a lot of women. But I do think our society also sets it up so that women feel like they're channeled into either the service industry, the retail industry or the sex work industry. Right. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot of messaging around. You can be a president, you can be CEO, you can be a business person, you can be an engineer. And even when women want to do that kind of stuff, they go to school for engineering and then all the men there like suck. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) You know what I mean? So there's a lot of discouraging factors for women to engage in other professions, which makes it feel like there's less of a choice. There is less of a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from a societal perspective, from an industry perspective, I think it's tough. I think it was really great to hear Katana's side of the story in terms of, yeah, it is empowering and we should support women who are in the industry. Well, thank you so much for sharing Katana. We deeply appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your experiences. And it it means a lot to us that you're willing and even asked us to talk about this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really am glad that I was given the opportunity to kind of break down some of those myths. Hope that someday we'll live in a society where I don't have to, you know, hide the fact that I'm a stripper because it's not so much of a thing that's looked down upon. I wish that I could talk about my job because I have a lot of funny stories from it. But so, yeah, this has been a good, a cool opportunity to break down some of those myths. And thank you for having me. Wicked radical. All right. um, We're going to go into some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. All right, dope. What is your funniest story as a stripper? Oh my fu- Okay, this was this is really funny. So, and it's really gross. <laughs> okay. So, my first night stripping, I was really nervous, so I drank a lot of tequila. Oh boy. And then when I drink tequila, the next day I like get the <laughs> if I drink way too much. Anyways, I woke up at my boyfriend's house and I took a shower and I walked out. Like, he lives in a studio apartment, so there's no separation between, you know, the kitchen and the bedroom. Uh I walk out, I'm just, like, butt naked, and I thought it was a fart, but it wasn't a fart. And I on my boyfriend's floor. I looked down, and I was like, no! So, yeah, it was crazy. And he was, like, laying on his bed just like this, you know, with his back facing me, and I was like, oh, my God, I have to clean this up before before he sees it. Luckily, I was able to clean it up, and I didn't tell him about it until six months later. But the reason why I think that's so funny is because, you know, it was my first night stripping. I just made, like, more money than I'd ever made before. I was just like, oh, my God, yeah, I'm so hot. Like, I'm such a bad you know, look at all this cash I got for being so sexy. And then I just on the floor. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. Humbling. Uh, <laughs> what's your favorite tattoo? My dragon tattoo. It's Haku from Spirited Away. Yeah. He's my favorite. I love him. And he's not colored in yet, but he will be soon. He's my protector. Cool. So, yeah. What's your favorite kind of music? I like... A lot of types of music, but I like more kind of chill EDM. Okay. Yeah, and kind of funky EDM too, like Grizz and Big Gigantic. And I've also been digging, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Avi the Nomad. I guess that he's mm-hmm. more like R&B kind of hip-hop. He's yeah. really cool. Favorite song to sing? 
Favorite song to sing? I always sing Amy Winehouse. Yeah, Rehab is what I always sing when I go to karaoke. And I like singing Bohemian Rhapsody as well. Except for that one part, like, da la la, da la la. Oh, so you're the showboater when you go to karaoke. The showboater, what's that? You're like the filibuster. There, there's terms for everything. <laughs> Where you pick the eight minute song and you're on stage for eight minutes and we all have to wait for you. Yeah. And... Yep. <laughs> I'll be for as long as I can be. <laughs> What's your favorite song to dance to? Favorite song to dance to? Um, when I'm working, I really like this band called Two Feet. They're really cool. I think it's actually just one guy, but he plays sexy guitar and he's awesome. I actually auditioned to Flashing Lights by Kanye West. That was the one that I picked. <laughs> and then at my next club, they picked the song for me and they put on Jackie Chan by like Post Malone and all those people. And I was like, I think they did that because I'm Asian. Oh, <laughs> it was actually kind of funny. But my favorite song to dance to, you know, when I'm just having fun and having a good time. I like Good Times Roll by Grizz. That's a good one. The rejected stage names. Rejected stage names. I've never. You mean like stage names that I proposed yeah. and they were rejected? Or stuff that you thought about, you're like, nah. Oh, um. Or was it always just gonna be Katana? Well, my name used to be Sakura at my old club, and then I went to my new one, and there was already a Sakura. But then they came up with Katana for me. I'm trying to think of like any. I came up with one for my friend, like I named her Clementine. <laughs> After like the the movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh yeah. But I don't know. I think that I've always kind of just had it in my my mind that I'm gonna like do an Asian name. I was like, oh, like maybe it could be like Flower Lotus or <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dragon Mastered. <laughs> what goes into making a stripper name? Because I'm trying to think of one for me right now. I think just like think of something that you have as a part of your identity. And I took you know being Asian and being born in Japan, even though I'm not Japanese. Japanese. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of came up with, you know, names that people wouldn't name their kid. I mean, maybe if you were in Japan, you'd name your kid Sakura. But usually, I think in America, probably wouldn't do that for the, for the most part. Spirited Away, your favorite Miyazaki film? Um, I actually like Howl's Moving Castle. Okay. Yeah, I love the love story. That one is so good. And Princess Mononoke. But Spirited Away is also good. So those three. I think Howl's Moving Castle's first. And then the other two are tied. Yeah. Shocker. I'm, hot take, uh, hot take. <laughs> Nausicaa, I think, might be my favorite. And then Mononoke Hime is definitely really, really good. Mm -hmm. What's that Fireflies one? Oh, not that, that one. That one's so sad. That makes me cry every time. <laughs> I only watched it once. I can only handle that once. Yeah. No more. <laughs> favorite color? I don't know. When I was younger, I said that my favorite color was sparkles, and everyone was like, that's not a color. And I was just like, damn. It is a color. <laughs> All right, sparkles. I'll sparkles. It's yeah. still sparkles. It's still sparkles. <laughs> Hell yeah. I remember when I was a kid and I thought silver was shiny gray. Shiny gray. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, shiny Not gray. Accurate. Yeah, that's actually really, really accurate. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. What okay. kind of dog? A fluffy dog. Any, any type of dog. I like huskies and I like golden retrievers. And I just went to the Humane Society the other day and it was really sad because I couldn't get a dog. But I saw two bunnies that I really wanted. I already have one bunny though, so couldn't get them. My boyfriend was like, no, don't do it. <laughs> do you play any instruments? Yeah, I play piano. I've played piano since I was five and I sing and I play guitar, kind of. I can only play like chords, but mostly piano and vocals. Awesome. And Ableton, which is not an <laughs> instrument. <laughs> Ableton is an instrument. Hey. Yeah, it's complex. Yeah, I just got 10.6, so I'm really stoked about that. You know, yeah. Torrented or something? Yes. Yeah, that's how you do it. I was like, how can you afford that? What? At stripper money, I guess. No. <laughs> Not even going to use that on there. I have to, to torrent it yeah. for days. Hell yeah. Cool. I'm done. Yeah. Thank you so much. Katana, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I learned a lot yeah, about me too. the industry, about sex work, and about myself, actually. So, thank you. Yeah, of course. I feel like it helped me learn about a lot about myself and what I do as well. So, thanks for the opportunity. That will do it for this episode of Do You Even Lift, Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for a podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Huge shout out to the partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at Colorado State University. These are the folks that even allow us to do this podcast. 
For more content about masculinities, check out meninthemovement.blogspot.com. And for more information about the WJC, go to wjc.colostate.edu. For more on 90.5 KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Music production by Xavier Hadley, a.k.a. Zavri. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-V-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Thanks for listening, everyone. Woo. Peace. Deeply appreciate it. We have a guest. Okay. We have a guest joining us today.